Well, I am extremely grateful to be here this morning. I was just telling someone during the break that this is one of the most exciting days of the year because we have an opportunity to commemorate the most amazing thing that ever happened um, in the history of the world and most importantly in the history of our faith and that is that Jesus rose from the grave. Paul said that if Jesus did not rise our faith would be in vain. If you would turn with me to the book of John chapter 11 that will be the main text of my message today. We're just going to read a few verses and then we'll open in prayer. John chapter 11 starting in verse 17. Then, when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. This is Lazarus. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was still in the house. Then Martha Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, We thank you for the power of the cross. And we thank you that you followed it up with the power of the resurrection. That the tomb is empty. That the stone is rolled away not so Jesus could get out. For we know that he could go through walls. But so that we could peer in. And see that he is not here but is risen just as he said. We thank you for this and we pray that you bless the study of your word over the next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about three points that I believe um, are made in this in this story and are reinforced by Christ's resurrection himself later on. The first point, if you're keeping notes, is the claim. And we're moving right along through John chapter 11 and we go to verses 25 to 27 where Jesus answers Martha and says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yes, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which shall come into the world. So the first point that I want to make is Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And when he asked Martha if she believed it, she had the right answer. She said, I believe you are. And your eternal destiny hinges on whether you answer this question correctly. Because Jesus is asking the same question of you and I today. Do you believe this? So my first challenge to you is, do you believe it? 
Do you believe that He is the resurrection and the life? Now there's a point earlier in this passage where people were saying, we've seen Him heal other people. Why didn't He come and heal Lazarus before He died? And even Martha said that. She says, if you had come, my brother wouldn't have died. But Jesus had a plan. And it kind of reminded me, even though when it's quoted in the, in the story about Jesus dying on the cross, it's quoted as somebody mocking Him, saying this, but I wonder if some of His followers even said this in some form or fashion. It says in Matthew 27:43, He saved others, Himself He cannot save. If He be the King of Israel, let Him come down from the cross and we will believe Him. Now we know that it was impossible for Him to come down from the cross. Why do I say that? Because Jesus said, I am come not to do mine own will, but the will of my Father who sent me. So His Father's will glued Him to that cross and had Him hung suspended between heaven and earth so that He could bridge the gap between heaven and hell. He had to do that. It was impossible for Him to come off the cross. That was really impressed to me this week. um, That it was not just something He chose not to do, but it was impossible because being perfect, all He could do was follow the will of His Father. And uh, the second point that I want to make is the credentials. We talked about the claim that Jesus made that He was the resurrection and the life. Now we're going to see Him you show His credentials. It says in John 11.39, Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he has been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now, I think about this. He said that he prayed so that the people would believe. That's one reason why he waited for Lazarus to die, because he wanted people to believe in the resurrection. He wanted people to have an example. Now, they didn't believe it at the time, but I'm sure after they realized that Jesus was alive again, that they thought back to the resurrection of Lazarus and realized that he was trying to give them a taste of what would happen in the future. And uh, he cried with a loud voice and said, Lazarus, come forth. You know, I, I, one of my friends said this week that there's great significance in the name Lazarus because if Jesus had just said, come forth, who knows how many people might have come forth. Because this was the voice of the very Creator God 
who called the world into existence. The Bible says about our world that He spoke and it was. And this is the very God who said to Lazarus, Come forth. And He's calling to us today by name. He knows our name. He knows the very hairs of our head. And He says to us today, Come forth into new life. And then, just looking at another cross-reference, we see in John chapter 10, verses 16 and 17, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. This commandment have I received of my Father. And I just think about this. This man who who called Lazarus forth, he obviously had all the power in the universe at his disposal. And yet he chose to lay down his life for you and me. And we see that even in, in the narrative because we see that they were going to break the legs of the criminal so that they would die because they couldn't push up against the weight of the cross so they could get ready for their their holy Sabbath. Ironic that they were killing the very holy one that they were supposed to be worshipping. But Jesus was already dead when they came to him because they didn't take his life from him. He gave it up. And even in the end, the very last words He spoke were, Father, into Thy hands I commit my spirit. And so, so Jesus is saying to you and me that He laid down His life for us. But He said He also had power to to take it up again. And and that's the culmination. It says, now upon, this is the third point, the culmination. <clears throat> now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing spices. Believe Matthew, no, it's Luke 24. Verses 1 through 8. I'm sorry about that. Luke 24, verses 1 through 8. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulchre, bringing spices, which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre, and they entered in, and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men by them in shining garments stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you while he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Let's just 
Think about that for a minute. They remembered His words. You know, He's never... God, and through His Son Jesus Christ, has never said one word that He didn't back up. Nothing that He has said has failed to come true. He says in the Old Testament, I am God, and I change not. Therefore, the God who, who led, the God who spoke to uh, Moses through the burning bush, the God who led the Israelites through the wilderness, that very same God was suspended on a cross for us, died, was buried, and the third day He rose again victorious over the grave. And you know, there's one other thing that I, I find very interesting about the story of Lazarus. If you read on in John chapter 11, you will see that Jesus says to them when, Je- when Lazarus is raised, He says to the people standing by, Loose him and let him go. Jesus didn't need anyone to lose him and let him go. He just went. And he left the cloths that he was wrapped in. And we don't know where he went immediately following his resurrection. But we do know that very quickly he met Mary in the garden. And when he said her name, when he said Mary, she recognized him. Before this, she supposed to be the gardener. But when he said her name, she recognized him. And as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, though I have never heard him speak to me audibly, when he says my name to my spirit, I know him and I follow him. Because I'm confident that he has my best interest at heart. And just as he said to the people standing by Lazarus, lose him and let him go, he says the same thing to you this morning. That he can lose you and let you go and have you live a victorious life. Because he had victory over the grave. How important is his victory over the grave? Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 17 to 21. He said, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life we have hope, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. And I don't, I don't know about you, but some, I mean, I, I think that it's wonderful that we spend the Lord's Supper hour concentrating on the death of our Lord Jesus Christ and for what He's done for us. But I have a strong belief that we should end the Lord's Supper contemplating His resurrection because without His resurrection the Lord's Supper is meaningless. 
But because of His resurrection, it has all the meaning in the world. If we were just worshipping a dead Savior, then we would just be like the other great religions of the world. Muhammad is in the grave. The, uh, the, the Dalai Lama is a human. Any other person that you want to put up there that people have worshipped, you can go to their graves and worship their shrines. We don't go to a grave, a closed grave with a dead body. We go to an empty tomb. And we see nothing there. And that is the greatest nothing in the world. And continuing on in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, you know, we just left man's state at very miserable, most miserable. And then that little three-letter word, but, is there. And but is a very powerful word in the Scriptures. It says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by one man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Jesus lives, and so shall I. I'm thankful for that today. I wanted to spend a few moments as I close today talking about my brother. And as my dad has mentioned, he was born 20 years ago today. And because Easter fell on his birthday, that's one of the reasons why I thought of this passage in John chapter 11. Because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And in fact, shall never die. And I also take comfort in what David said about his son that died when he when it was confirmed that his son was dead after spending days in prayer and tears and fasting. He got up and he cleaned his face and he ate. And his servants thought, well he's, he's going to be even more depressed if we tell him that his son is dead and he's going to maybe even kill himself. But he washed his face, he got up and he ate and he praised the Lord and they said, why are you doing this? And he said, he's not going to come back to me. But I will go to him. July 16th, 1992 was one of the worst days in my entire life. I can remember it like it was yesterday. And whenever I hear an ambulance, <coughs> to this day I still think about it. 
you know, God used that day to work a change in my heart because up until that time I was a very bitter young man. I knew where my eternal destiny was. I knew that I had trusted Jesus Christ for my eternal salvation. But I didn't like my temporary destination. I hated my corrupt body. And I can remember just weaving in my mom's arms and saying, Why? Why did God take him and leave me? Because I'm completely useless. I just want to go to heaven early. Because then I can get my new body. But I'm thankful today for a God who does not give up on us and a God who meets us where we are. And He met me where I was. And over the next six months, due in large part because of my wheelchair and the fact that I was a captive audience and the fact that my parents could throw me in the car and take me to church whether I liked it or not. God worked a miracle in my heart. And He caused me to realize that like Moses, I needed to quit making excuses, quit saying I couldn't do it, and surrender to Him. And allow Him to work in me because it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And it's because of that time in my life when I was so low that I'm sitting before you today. Because I made a commitment about a year after that that I would serve God with my whole heart and that I would proclaim Him in as many places as I was given liberty to do so. Now, I'm not perfect. I haven't done it all the time. But God has been faithful to forgive me when I fail and to give me more opportunities. And He's done exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. And I believe that the good stuff's just beginning. And the best stuff is coming in eternity when this corruptible will put on incorruption. And I'll have a new body and I'll kneel before the Lord and I'll confess Him as Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then I'll run around for a couple thousand years and a couple thousand more and maybe a few thousand more after that. And I'll still have all of eternity to praise God for what He did for me. Because Christ is risen, I will rise and I will have a new body. Because Christ is risen, you can rise and you will have a new body. Free of pain. Free of physical suffering. But most important, free of the sin which so easily besets us. Oh, what a glorious day that's going to be. And it's because of one day after Jesus had been in the tomb for three days, dead, cold, that He stood up and walked out of the grave and declared to the whole world that death is swallowed up in victory. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I implore you to do so today. And I believe that most of us in this room have. But I've learned not to make assumptions. 
God is, God is waiting for you. When I think about all that God has done for us, I wonder why anybody would shake their fist at Him. But I've done plenty of fist shaking in my day, so I can't stand in condemnation of anyone. But the perfect Lamb of God certainly can. He chooses instead to give you mercy. Maybe He gave you one more day so that in eternity you can face Him as the best defense attorney in the world instead of as a judge because He will judge. People say, well, God is love. Why would He send anyone to hell? But my friends, you cannot understand the love of God until you first understand the judgment of God. If sin did not need to be judged, then the perfect Son of God wouldn't have hung on a Roman cross and died for us. When people say that, they spit in His face. But praise be to God that even... I was thinking about this this week. I I was watching The Passion of the Christ. It's a wonderful film if you have a chance to see it. I was thinking about this as, as we were watching it and we were watching the crucifixion scene. I was thinking that the very people that were driving the spikes in their hands, He was praying for them. And I have good reason to believe that at least one of them made it because He said afterwards, truly this man was the Son of God. And it would be really neat to find if He found out the end of the story and embraced Jesus. We know that a thief on the cross did. We know that this man who was railing against God, we know that he was casting the same in Jesus' teeth as the people that were walking by. But at one point or another, he realized that the man standing next to him on the cross was not a sinner. That he was a just man that was being punished for things he did not do. Jesus loves you, my brothers and sisters. And that is what Resurrection Day is all about. May God bless you and keep you. May God make His face shine upon you and give you peace. Maybe... Um, someone has a hymn that we could close with. That sounds like a great idea. Because we do. We serve a rhythm.